listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Sabash Shandar. Sabash aims to inspire the next generation of creators and innovators. He says his students inspire him to constantly question his teaching pedagogies and push himself towards the future. He constantly pursues meaningful and contextual tasks to increase student engagement due to the wide variety of learning styles amongst his students. He is driven by the understanding that his students need to be prepared for the future. Subash is a learning designer at Ormiston Junior College. He is the recipient of the National Excellent in Teaching Award in 2018, a recipient of the 2017 Margaret and John Kalman Charitable Trust Mathematics Teaching Prize, and the 2017 Jim Campbell Award for Teaching Excellence in Mathematics. Subash is also the inaugural ASG Space Camp Teacher Ambassador for New Zealand. He is the owner of the YouTube channel, Infinity Pulse One. So Subash, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're so happy to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your teaching philosophy? Um, my teaching philosophy just changed over um, the last 12 years because when I first started out as a teacher, I, um, I had a, this perception of what a good teacher is. And um, over time, it's just changed. It's changed so much that I'm almost feel like when I go into a classroom or when I go into a school, it's um, it's almost I feel like I'm a new teacher because this is so much that's changed. Like I, I still remember the first time I walked into my classroom, my I, my um, head of department at that time said, "Hey, look, I got the latest tech for you," and I was like, "Well, what is it? It's a, this is an overhead projector." <laughs> and like an Elmo. Uh, <laughs> little, yeah, it's like, um, and you know, you get you get colored refill pens. You know, this is your latest tech. <laughs> <Vis-a-vis>. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, you, inks that can refill by itself. This is like game changing, you know. And um, now I look at what I'm doing in my classroom, and mm. it's and it's nothing. And this is just in 12, 12 13 years. Yeah. Uh, from where I started to to what I'm doing right now. I mean, now we've got so many things that's happening out there. It's almost impossible to keep up with every tech that's actually being brought into the classroom. It's almost like you have to have a network of teachers uh, if you want to actually um, succeed uh, in being a teacher. I like that, you know, uh, because because a lot of a lot of teachers really don't understand that concept of you know even even where you're even where you're your situation or situated at at your school you should be reaching out and you, and you should be collaborating um so you know i was i was i was i was fortunate you know um that i was able to visit um um of ormiston um I'm, I'm bummed that you know you and i didn't didn't get to meet but tell us about um, about your population of kids there so uh, just to give you a bit of a background, I was at Ormiston Senior College before uh, for oh, about okay. seven years. And um, I moved to Ormiston Junior at the start of this year. And I think I've been there for about six and a half weeks or seven weeks before um, we had to go into lockdown mode. But the, the majority of our kids that we um, have are immigrants that come from, you know, India, Asia. And when I say Asia, I'm talking about uh, mainland China and um, Philippines. We've got a lot of Philippine um, students there as well. And I throw in a bit of South African, a mix of South African kids in there. Wow. So that's what a majority of our demographic is um, in this particular area that we're in. And it's one of the fastest growing areas in, in Auckland. Um, yeah, so we, we've got a bit of a good mixture of kids there. 
That's awesome. So, so how is it going, going from um, senior to junior? A massive difference, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've never worked with, uh, how do I call it, year seven, so they'll be about 10 years old. Um, <laughs> it was a massive change because teaching 15 to 17-year-olds or working with 15 to 17-year-olds, you're working with completely different pro um, problems. Yeah. Uh, you're working with kids that are getting ready to go to university, so you're thinking about, okay, how do I reach these kids on an individual basis rather than like this whole mass class approach? Coming from that kind of environment and then going into a junior college where, you know, it's it's interesting because it's almost like you think that the kids know things just because they've been in a digital uh, world for so long that you, you automatically assume that, oh, they're, they're digital natives, so they should be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest misconception that I'm learning. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just to give you an, a simple idea, we were playing categories the other day, and uh, one of the uh, and I said like you know the letter was uh, P, and one of the categories was software. So here I am thinking, you know, man, they're going to come up with like PowerPoint or Photoshop. And one of the kids innocently she asks me, you know, uh, actually she wrote down the word pillow. I was like pillow. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm looking for a software. You know, it's like no. Pillow is soft, right? So it's soft. And, and that's oh. how they think. And I, I was like, wow, this is just mm. completely... <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I, did, I did not see that coming. Cause, but you've come up with so many misconceptions. You know, as teachers, I think also think that, you know, we keep um, uh, uh, hearing stories about what, what these other kids are doing, what these other kids are doing in, like, different countries, and what other teachers are doing. And you think, oh, yeah, this, this is all just normal for them. But then for some kids, regardless of how much tech they're born with and that they're living with, there's a lot of things that they don't actually know. And that, that, that for me, was a big, big wake-up call. Um, and I almost, um, I think on a daily basis now, I have to actually pull my steps, uh, pull my, myself back a few steps and think uh, in a different perspective and say, actually, these kids are just like seven years older than my toddler. So I've got to actually mm. think differently on how to actually communicate with them. Just because I write an email doesn't mean that they're going to understand <laughs> it. And even things like I used a particular word and, uh, and later on I thought, actually, do they actually understand this word? You know, are, are they literate enough to actually understand the words that I'm using? Because mm -hmm. at senior level, you just throw these words, you know, you, you don't realize it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so massive, massive um, learning curve. Um, and, and also the other thing is they're very... Um, they're very attached to you. Like, you know, in senior schools, you don't really get you know, kids coming close to you or like trying to give you hugs or yeah, want to give you high fives and things like that. And senior kids, they're like, oh, yeah, he's just giving me work. I'm just going to go do it quietly. Can I put my headphones on and just do my, do my work? Mm -hmm. But here the kids are like, oh, sir, I think on my second day in school, one of the kids actually asked me, sir, is it okay if I give you a hug? And, I'm, and, I, and I was just like, um, I, I don't know what the protocol is because I'm, I'm, I've never been working with your 10-year-olds before. So let's just start with a high five. So Aww. we came up with some unique handshakes. So massive, massive learning curve, this one. That's really cute. That's awesome. Uh, can oh. you explain um, what you meant when you said that you your students inspire you to question your pedagogies? Yeah. Um, for me, what I believe is that I, I think when I first went as a first year, when I was a first year teacher, I, I can always reflect back to that. You know, I actually had this image of me standing in front of 30 kids and um, teaching 
the same thing to them to all 30 kids and then kind of going yeah i'm going to be an amazing amazing kind of teacher that way that that was always my kind of thinking but um as time went by you started to learn that every kid is coming in with different needs uh they're learning uh strengths were different and i and initially i was asking myself this question hang on you you're like 12 years old you you should know your times table um or you should know how to do your basic facts why aren't you doing those things that that's how i initially started my thinking and i went oh man these these uh primary teachers they didn't really do any work and i was like what are they doing and like those kind of that's mm-hmm. how i was like at the uh, at the start when i was a teacher and then slowly what i ended up doing was i actually went and visited a couple of um primary schools and then worked with a couple of primary teachers and then i was like well this this is a whole new ball game that you know and i think that's when i kind of learned that you know regardless of how structured your programs are uh you're going to get kids that are coming from every range possible uh in your classroom and so that means like i could no longer see myself as a as a teacher standing in front of the board and kind of delivering it to the classroom but rather i started seeking out methods in where i could personalize each individual kids learning depending on what their strengths are mm-hmm. um and at the same time looking at their weaknesses and go well how can my program be created in such a way that we can still take their weakness and actually convert it into a strength and that 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 took a lot of time um but you know and i think i kind of had to transition myself from being a teacher into more of a, a facilitator and rather going okay rather than standing in front and teaching to 30 i would be sitting next to a group of 3 or maybe even just one on one but trying to figure out programs in such a way that your class each individual in your class is actually engaged in that in an activity but at the same time working to their capacity and at the same time just being challenged enough to actually go actually i want to do a little bit more mm-hmm. um and i think teaching it's changed you know it's it's no longer about that whole one fit model anymore it's right. about looking at each individual kid and saying hey how can i actually get you moving today or how can i let you leave this class saying actually i i learned something and i think i know what to do next mm-hmm. and i think if you can do that you know you're pretty much uh halfway there uh, and the rest is like you know we 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 kind of just build as we go along with those kids yeah so it's, it, it is it is constantly changing and i think that's as my ultimate kind of um ideology is that you know what i learned today is not going to be it's not going to be useful for me in, in about one year's time because the kids that i'm going to see in one year are going to be completely different yep considering what we're going through right now this global pandemic they're going to come in with completely different ideologies different views and so that means as a teacher when i'm actually going back to my classroom i've got to change my thinking even more now because yeah. they've just had like about a two months of homeschooling and that means things have changed so mm-hmm. how, we got to keep on adapting yeah and and i think you're i think you're leading leading into that um so you know when i when i visited what i i visited on a on a on a wednesday over over there at over there at Ormiston and so i saw a ton of projects going on just every you know every every corner was filled with kids doing something and a lot of which would never happen here <laughs> you know just because i saw kids drilling and using saws and i was i was all for it but i'm like yeah yeah that's that can't happen here um but um so it 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 seems like Ormiston is 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 very project based and so so now so now how how are you 
transitioning from from being face to face with your with your kids to now what's 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 taking place now how do you how do you still keep that um motivation for for your own kids with regards to all the project-based learning um at the moment i've got 18 kids in my in my mac group which i'm looking after at the moment and so my what we have is a learning design team and this team did an absolutely phenomenal job in terms of constructing a plan within given i think it was about three or four days that we were told that we're going to go into lockdown and so within that during that time uh these two uh, folks here they they, they did a fantastic job in putting up a little program for pretty much the whole school considering yeah you're right we are we are focused on um tape which is uh, the um, transdisciplinary authentic inquiry project but being at home you're not in your little tape groups you're not um you don't have the luxury of using any kind of material so suddenly we had to switch it completely to think about how are you going to do these kind of tape projects at home and what we um focused on was a lot on well-being initially um and the reason being is that these kids they're social creatures you know they love coming to school they love being with their friends and suddenly you told them that hey you got to stay home initially they're all super happy they're like oh we can stay home we can just do whatever we want you know and I, and I saw that within my own mac kids uh, my my group of 18 they were like some of them were just super happy staying at home they can just come in to check in with me in their pajamas and so on and mm-hmm. they were happy about it but and when it came to uh, the tape motivation aspect of it what i started doing with my kids was started having just literally individual conversations just trying to figure out first off how are they doing mm-hmm. you know check their mental well-being first because uh, for some of these kids um being at school is their most um uh, it's their happiest time uh, they they find out, uh, so much joy in coming to school it's their happy place so it's almost like going back and asking the kids okay how are you guys doing first and i think once you kind of set that um after you talk to them and figure out how they're going uh, yeah figure out how they're going uh then the next step is to actually go okay so what's happening at your home situation uh and then we try and figure out okay what is it that you always thought about you know something that's actually in the back of your mind that's actually interested you or um that you've always wanted to learn but you've always been putting it off and then now we slowly start kind of digging a little bit deeper in their interest and then we start um bringing in aspects of literacy and numeracy and and I think that's kind of been the fun part for me is that sitting there I talk to kids for about 15 20 minutes uh, and it's like quality time you're not you're not just going oh, hey what are you doing okay you're doing that all right sweet mm. if you go but i think um with our school the way they've set it up is that you know given a bit of flexibility and freedom to actually chat um chat with our students so like some days i'd i'd chat for 45 minutes just with one kid um and just try and figure out okay what is your interest like i had a a student of mine that was interested in looking at the impact of technology right now on online learning uh, you know is it actually working for our kids uh is it going to be something that's sustainable and she asked me is like but how are kids um how are kids in like um third world countries learning when they don't have internet access how how's that happening uh, and i said look i've i've got no idea but i've got some teachers that are working um working in south africa and like i know she put up a a message recently saying that you know online remote learning is not possible when 
half the kids are just struggling to get breakfast um, mm-hmm. every morning wow. during isolation. So, and I, and, I, and I said to her, look, I think what, you know, for my, um, one of my students, I said, look, why don't we actually set up a Zoom meeting to actually try and catch up with her so you can get some perspectives and perspectives from the other side rather than just us sitting here um, trying to think what it looks like or what it could look like. Yeah. Let's actually go straight to the source. And so it was just a little interest interesting question that she had, but we now have the ability to actually create it into a, a full-blown exploration of it. Yeah, and, and, and now I've got another another student that um, who's never, like, who's, who's struggled with literacy and numeracy, but he's, he's obsessed with NFL teams. And so we started kind of um, throwing some ideas around, and um, uh, we came down to the idea of, like, he wanted to actually look at the top five NFL teams of all time. And I said, um, okay, so how, how do you go about doing that? What do you want to look at? Um, and he's like, you know, I want, um, I want to actually do, um, like, those videos that, um, you know, those YouTubers do where they actually talk about their top five teams. But he actually went and tried to find out uh, which team uh, was the best according to other people's opinions. So then I said to him, look, why don't you actually look at it from your perspective? What do you think is going to make that top five team? Mm. You know, like, what's the numbers you want to have a look at? What's the stats you want to compare? And how do you want to actually present it? Do you want to present it as a as a video format or as a, like a talk show format where you're actually sitting in front with a little video playing on the side here? So how do, how do we want to do this? And so suddenly... We are now moving away from looking at things where they're doing individually to rather going, well, how can we actually put all these elements together actually to create uh, a project, given the circumstances that we are actually at home uh, with limited uh, kind of, you know, we don't really have a drill that we they, they can actually go and use. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're looking at limited resources. And then I've got another, another kid of mine that um, she was like, uh, you know, I love science and um, I didn't get to do much. Because, you know, we, we kind of had to do this and then, then we went into lockdown. So with her, we kind of thought about it and we talked and we talked and we ended up with an idea of, hey, what about um, creating like a, uh, you know, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of resources out there for like home um, science experiments using home materials. But um, how about you actually create your own um, channel? Because at the moment there's actually like in New Zealand, is there any 10-year-old that's actually doing this right now? Why don't we go have a look at it and see can you actually do a little web series based um, based on that and like uh, kind of taking ideas from everywhere else and then you just doing it at home and just showing your friends. I'm not even talking about don't, you don't need to show it to the whole world. You don't need to showcase to the whole world. Just to our, our Mac group, if you were to say, hey guys, I actually did this, um, you know, how about you guys want to try it out or like can we actually um, share these ideas out so that other people could actually try things out at home, uh, particularly during this time when you know, we can't really go out much and do things. So at the moment, in terms of the projects, it is simply having conversations with the kids and trying to figure out what it is that we can actually do at home, uh, given the circumstances. And um, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm, you start to make a lot more meaningful connections with the kids because you are spending quality time with them that you don't normally spend in a, in a school day. Uh, so in a school day, it's like, you know, you see them for like, half an hour, okay, you can have maybe a chat for a maximum half an hour with a, with a kid. But here, you're literally just talking. And I, and I almost feel that going back to school, things will change a lot for my Mac group because now they know that hey, if I want to talk to Subhashta, I can just flick a quick message on Google Hangouts and then, yeah, he will eventually get to me at, at some point. Um, or, you know, it's that, it, it's that relationship has actually become a lot more stronger 
considering that we haven't actually seen each other in mm-hmm. about uh, six weeks now. And that, that's, that's something different. Yeah. You know? Considering we, we always say relationships is the, is the base for being a good teacher. And then you're not standing in front of them, yet your relationship has actually gotten a lot more stronger because of the communication that you've actually had over the last six weeks. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll still figure things out and we'll still keep um, things kind of uh, clicking along. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that some other kids in our, in our, in our school um, kind of hearing through the grapevine that they've started on some really um, interesting ideas and over the next few weeks, we'll see what they're actually coming out to be. So you mentioned a couple of times your MAC group. Um, is that an acronym for something? Uh, mentor, academic coach. Okay. Um, I hope I got that right. I always, <laughs> Put I always say I'm new to the job. So yeah. So that's that's the course that you teach. You teach several groups of that, or you just have the same eighteen kids. No, so I, I how this actually works is um, I have eighteen students that I'm pretty much uh, pretty much look after. But then I spent um, I think I'm just trying to think off the top of my head about five to six hours with them in a week. Um, I could be wrong, um, I, but I also do numeracy as well. So I'm part of uh, two um, big numeracy groups, which I teach about 400 minutes of that. Hmm. So that's like I've got 50 kids in each group. Got it. Um, and I also have, uh, I end up spending um, some time working with um, the kids during their um, tape projects. So when they're doing their projects, I actually am on the floor helping out as well. And that time it is a more of a, how do I say it, a person that actually instigates questions or like ask them those um, critical questions mm-hmm. and not really, how do I say, not really tell them what to do, but kind of ask them questions in such a way so they can actually start thinking in different directions. Yeah. Um, and I think that part is really fun because that, I think that's what, um, um, yeah, that's the, the Wednesday that we were talking about is that, you know, you walk in and it's just, some people might see it as chaos, but some people will see it as, wow, there's just so much, um, learning that's actually happening here. Um, and yeah, as Fred mentioned, I think that's what you uh, saw before, Fred. So that's on a Wednesday for us. But we've had to shift it now because we've our school is growing. So we just don't have the resources where everybody could be using those rooms on the same day. So half the school is on Wednesday and the other half of the school is on a Thursday. Well, then that just means that Malia and, and, and I need to spend like maybe two weeks there so we could see two days of this <laughs> sounds right yeah because uh, um, mm-hmm. it's um if you aim for uh, my best suggestion would be like when we have our little um uh, uh showcase events i think that's the time you get to come in and you get to see what the kids have actually completed and uh see what it is like because uh, i remember walking in from senior last year came down to the november showcase and i just went i was like wow this is just insane it's like i've never seen anything like this where where so many good solid ideas that are just coming out and like look they're kids ultimately you're going to have some really amazing projects and some of them you're just going what was this child thinking but <laughs> you know that, that's, but there's still a learning curve for that child you know mm-hmm. so you gotta you gotta look at it and go okay yeah so they're still learning and uh, they, even if they make mistakes that's absolutely fine you, you go okay so what, what, what was your learning what did you learn from this experience? You know, what would you do differently? And so you're always going back in that cycle uh, of inquiry and uh, trying to get them to actually keep getting that second iteration or the third iteration better and as they keep rolling along. So definitely I'd say, you know, come by during one of those um, exhibition days and uh, just see what it's, uh, what it's like. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. 
Now, um, now I'm going to ask a you know ask you a question where you may maybe a little embarrassed by it, but um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that you would you would answer it for our for our listeners. We uh, noticed that you've been given a lot of awards for your for your for your own. Okay, not that. <laughs> um, tell us tell us about these projects or, or 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 lessons that that led to to you be getting to get these awards. Okay, there's not a lot. Of, there's I usually say I'm I'm a pretty much an open book when it comes to answering anything. But uh, yeah, you're right. That this thing is embarrassing to always talk about. <laughs> um. I think my intention was never to kind of like, you don't really think that, oh yeah, you do things and then you kind of, yes, yeah, I'm struggling to answer this question. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, okay. So to sum it up, it, it kind of started off with a really, really weird idea. Um, I, and it's so funny that like, it's it's how I thought. I'm not, not going to lie. I, I'm going to be honest. Okay, you know what? I'm going to be brutally honest and just tell the whole story. So back in uh, 2013, um, we had just returned from traveling overseas for about a year. Um, after teaching five years, I, I said, okay, you know what? Me and my wife, we decided to sell everything and uh, head off backpacking for a year. And during that time, I um, volunteered in uh, Bali and I taught... Um, I, I talked to 50 kids in a, in a, in a, in a small hall, uh, just some mats with no technology, nothing. And it kind of just changed my perspective on teaching. And so when I came back, you know, the most silliest thing happened is that because we blew our house deposit on, a, on this world trip, um, I kind of decided, you know, how am I going to get some money real quickly? And so I started randomly just searching like things on like teachers. Is there any kind of grants and stuff like that? And crazily enough, um, I found this website um, which ha- had this little thing. It's called um, the Vaki Foundation, where they actually have the Global Teacher Prize, where a teacher had won um, uh, you know, a million US dollars. And I was like, man, a house costs a million US dollars, uh, a million dollars in Auckland. Uh, this is what I got to do. And uh, stupidly enough, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm never going to do anything like this. This is too crazy. But I thought, just for the hell of it, let's just have a look at what the criteria is, you know, just to see if I'm. Will I even make the cut of like the the bottom, whatever you want to call it? And um, interestingly enough, it changed a lot for me that just reading through the criteria, because what happened was like as I read through the, I think there was seven criteria that I actually put up on it, and I was like, hey, this is actually a really good, you know, good set of criteria. It was almost like, is it something that I could actually start working towards just to see if I can do this or not? And so that was something in the background that kind of just, I read it a long time ago and I thought, now oh, this is really cool. I'm going to start doing this. But at the same time, spending time in Bali, I came into back to my school uh, at Ormiston Senior. And I noticed that kids learning differently. And that's when I thought, you know, this is, this is just nuts. I can't just be standing here and just explaining the same concept to every kid six different times in one day. I've got to figure out something else. So I decided, you know, I'll, I'll create a YouTube channel. Because back then in 2013, I think Khan Academy was uh, just starting to gain some momentum at that, uh, at that yeah. point, um, especially in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started looking for like, okay, is there a a YouTube channel for um, maths in New Zealand because the way how we do things here is slightly different to what um, Khan Academy was doing. Mm-hmm. And I found that there was actually um, no kind of um, nothing there uh, at that time. So I thought, you know what, I'll just create my own YouTube channel because um, 
because there was no no one that's actually done it before you could really do whatever you want to do and no one's going to say hey that's not how you do it so mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's all right i'm just going to do it so in by the end of 2013 i like i was i started going around um going around to other math teachers and just sharing my ideas and saying hey look you know this is me explaining uh calculus to my year 13 students that i made videos of you guys can more than welcome to use it but if you want to actually create your own um, videos, I, I can actually teach you guys how to do it. It's not that hard and it, I can help you guys with it. And that way, what happens is that, you know, because what I started noticing was that some of my kids came and said to me, I really didn't understand what you said in that video. Could you explain it again? And I think I, I, I realized at that point, like, just because I'm explaining, it doesn't mean that all 30 kids are going to understand it. Right. Like, you're going to have like five kids that are just going to listen to your voice and be like, I hate this guy. I don't want to listen to this guy. <laughs> so um, long story short, um, you know, uh, I started doing that, and um, people started going, "Okay, this is this this guy is the YouTube guy." That's that that was my nickname at that time. Uh, everyone called me the YouTube guy, and then I started exploring like different tools to actually use in mathematics. And then, so I said, "Oh, you know what? I want to go and share these because every time I find something cool, I'd have to go and share it to the community." Because the reason I feel that it's important that whole sharing of your ideas is important is because people are going to question you uh, on things that you never thought of. People are going to be critical uh, yeah. on your methods, which means you actually get to go back and refine mm-hmm. your ideas a bit more. And so this became almost like a, a bit of a, 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 something that I needed to do every three months is actually go and present some sort of idea to somebody so that I can actually get some feedback to actually figure out, okay, is this something that I'm doing? Is it actually worth me pursuing this ideas? So that slowly kept on building. And uh, eventually I, I think, I was like a mainstay guy in a, in a maths community where I would always be running some sort of presentations. So I went from the YouTube guy to the Desmos guy uh, to becoming the Sphero guy because I was using um, Sphero robots and mm-hmm. senior mathematics, which was not used at all wow. in here. Um, and then um, it was nice because when uh, Sphero actually put out their um, applications through for um, Sphero Heroes, I thought, oh, I'll just put it down just to see if they'll actually pick me, like, just to see what, what would happen. And, of course, they uh, picked me in their first round of 18, and that was really cool. Then I had the Microsoft guys. Uh, I was using um, a Surface tablet to actually make my videos, and then so they kind of came on board and, like, yep, uh, there's a program that we're running called um, Microsoft Innovative Educator Experts, and that just opened up a whole new community. Until that time, I was only working with my maths community. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly I've got this Microsoft community from literally around the globe, I started te- meeting teachers from, um, name it, from everywhere. And I got some inspiration from uh, a special shout-out to Kurt Sosa from Austria. He's an amazing math teacher. Got um, some amazing tips from Yeah, so it is, and then it was just meeting all these different people. And then suddenly you realize, oh, my God, there's a whole new community, community out there that you can actually learn from. And the more and more I started kind of got, expanding my networks, the more and more I wanted to learn. But what I didn't realize was that along that way, I was just doing all these things that were kind of slowly ticking off those lists, the the number of bullet points back in the criteria. And I I didn't realize it. I I just kept doing it. Um, Yeah, so eventually we had, um, I think, the first kind of, um, in 2017, they put out an advert to say, Look, there's a Prime Minister Science Teacher Prize. Um, you know, it's it's worth about 50, 50K, but you get about 100K for your school to actually do any projects that you want to do. Wow. And I thought, oh, well, 100K to do any project, and um, this is this is great. And at that time, 
my ideas started was an overflow mode because I was <laughs> meeting all these teachers and I was like, man, I, I can do so much things with a hundred K. So I started putting my kind of my first real portfolio together for um, this award, but I didn't get it. But what, what was great was um, uh, along the way, I picked up a couple of others because other teachers said, Hey, you should put your name down for this, you know, yeah. you're doing some interesting things. And I was like, okay, let me just put it down just to see what happens. And yeah, so slowly it just, um, you know, kind of ticked along. And I know you, like, I'll be honest, right now, uh, the the certificates, the awards, everything is like a little box uh, in my garage. Truth be told, because um, I think over that process, my whole goal has changed because my whole goal um, went towards this crazy, crazy idea of, um, you know, I want, I want to change how education is for some of our um um, some of our kids that are disadvantaged, some of those kids that are, don't get opportunities to um, experience, you know, some sort of STEM learning in their school because of behavior problems um, and so on. So I, I had this ultimate crazy idea. Eventually, that's what it come down to was that uh, opening up my uh, own school uh, for disadvantaged kids, the kids that are where behavior is a problem. Mm. And, and let's be honest, like, you know, my, my thinking was, well, most of these kids end up in trouble. They get stood down or expelled from schools and they struggle to actually go back and find another school to get in or they go into schools with like such so many contract contracts placed on them like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. If you do this, you're going to get into this. So my thinking was like, hey, how about I open up the school for these guys and just get them on board and actually give them an opportunity to do something different with their lives. And um, so I'm, I was like, oh, well, what do I need? I, well, first off, I need a hell of a lot of money to actually do this and a lot of sponsors. So... I guess that's where I thought, okay, so maybe taking, going down this path. So I came back to the whole global teacher prize kind of idea and thought, you know, maybe we just need to pursue this a little bit more seriously. If you want that goal of kind of opening your, your own, own academy of sorts for your, for, for these kids. Um, so at the moment I just keep doing what I need to do. And along the way, um, whatever kids that I can help, um, along the way I can, um, to give you an example is like at the moment, um, I don't teach any senior kids. I don't teach 15 to 17 year olds because I'm in a junior college. Mm -hmm. But because of um, COVID-19, um, a lot of, because um, that's the other thing, my YouTube channel started growing on its own where, because I was running live tutorials for kids uh, over the last couple of years, uh, it's it's kind of got its own little sort of cult following almost like where the kids just talk about it underground <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's the guy he's the guy you want for Matt's videos uh, if you want to do that um, and so that that's got its own little following and um, you know last year I remember I had like a couple of kids that tried to set up a um, GoFundMe page to try and get me the latest uh, NBA 2K20 game because they asked me, they actually asked me, what do you want? And I said, I don't want any money. And they're like, what do you want? What are you doing then? I just said, look, I just do this for, because I want to help people. Yeah. Because I have the ability to help people. So I'm going to help people. Mm -hmm. And the kids are like, one of the kids said, oh, sir, what game are you playing? And I made the mistake of saying that. I said, look, I, I was, I don't want to spend like heaps of money. So I actually bought um, NBA 2K16 on PS4 for a dollar on Trade Me, which is a equivalent of eBay. And the kids just kind of laughed and they said, sir, if I get an, if I get a really high grade in my um, maths exam, I'm going to buy you the game uh, next year. And I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> you do that. Oh. But next thing you know, they'd actually set up a GoFundMe page and they started uh, <laughs> putting some money in it. And then I had to talk to the owner and I said, look, mate, um, 
it's it's really you know just the thought of you doing this is amazing. Um, I like, but just take it down. I'm I'm sure you guys could use the money for something else, and you know I I can I can do things here that I need to. So yeah, so and the thing is, the fun part is, um, I think the one of my favorite stories about the whole my YouTube channel and the Infinity Plus One is um, on February I had to travel to Melbourne to visit my sister and uh, got into customs. And of course, you know, uh, being me, I get randomly picked to do a bag check, uh, uh, like as always. And so, you know, I, I walk into, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, you got to check. Okay, go for it. And then he, the guy's like, you know, okay, so where are you traveling? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a teacher. Uh, what do you teach? I'm, I'm a math teacher. It's like, oh yeah. And then long story short, we started talking and then he goes, oh, and then he said something really interesting. He's like, oh, you, you, you know, you sound familiar. And I'm like, oh, by any chance, did you ever use a YouTube channel called Infinity Plus One to actually um, study maths? And he's like, and he just looked at me and went, oh my God, it's you. Like, no that's, way. That's you. And he's like, oh, so thank you for helping me with my tutorial. And, you know, he, this was like a few years back. And uh-huh. I was like, um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, thank you for helping me. It's, it's really amazing. Um, you know, you're doing awesome. Nah, you're fine. You just keep going now. You're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's super funny. Um, and it was funny because like my, my wife had already gone through and I just yelled out to her and I was like, lucky, lucky. Um, come check this out. This, this guy knows me. And it's like, how do you know him? It's like, oh, he's watched my YouTube videos. And I just like, wow. And, um, it, because it's coming to that time now because I've had it for yeah. almost seven years now. Yeah. And the kids that I, that, that I don't know that I haven't taught, are actually coming into the workforce right now. And so, you know, they're, they're part of the community now. And so it's, it's really cool kind of catching up with um, your, well, not your ex-students, you've never taught them, but um, they come and say hi to you or like if they recognize your voice or if they recognize you, sometimes they see, see me. The, now that the, my picture is actually starting to pop up, they're like, oh, this is you. So you're, you're, the, you're the guy. So it's, uh, it's really nice of them. So. Yeah, so I think I've digressed from that story about um, all the awards, but um, the awards are not. But no, it sounds You're- like the like for the pursuit of the award in a roundabout way is like really shaped your philosophy and like your pedagogy in how you are teaching today, which is like a like a really good outcome of that. Yeah. Um- I think now you start to re- realize, you know, awards are awards, you know, they, they come and go, it doesn't matter. But I think right. the, the best feeling is when I get that feeling of like, you know, walking across or uh, like, like this customs. And there was another one that <laughs> happened last year, which, which just gave me the best goosebumps because that is much more rewarding uh, than walking out on any stage and picking up an award. Is yeah. like when you get kids that you don't know coming up and saying, oh yeah, I know, I know this guy and he helped me a lot during uh, my stressful times mm-hmm. and um and I, and I have to say like all this is mainly possible because because my wife i mean she is super supportive of this uh she sacrifices time times in the night she's like look i'll i'll look after the boy put him to sleep you go run your tutorials uh, um or like i'll keep him busy while you end up making this video um, and so she is like incredibly supportive. Uh, and I always say to this to the kids as well, when I'm running any tutorials that, you know, that I, you guys got to say thanks to my wife because like, she's, she's taken up so much of the load and, um, in looking after my son, uh, so I can actually help out you guys. But she's, she sees the stress in the kids and, uh, she sees the stress they go through. And yeah. so she's like, nah, you, you've got to, 
you got something that you can do to help out ease their stress. So go do it. Mm-hmm. And the number of times you kind of see the, like when I go through my comment section and I see the word stress, lifesaver, you saved my life. And, and, I, and I thought, you know, man, they're just over-exaggerating. <laughs> but when you talk to some of the, when you talk to some of the senior kids, that's how much pressure they feel when they sit yeah. an exam is that, man, my whole life depends on me passing this exam. So I've, I need to make sure that I actually get through this. And um, so, yeah, I think my, my joy actually comes from that. And, um, and, I, and it's, I always say this to my wife and it's like, look, by daytime, I'm, I'm just a, a teacher, but by nighttime, I become infinity plus one. So a guy that helps random kids with maths yeah. on the internet. So, and I'm okay with that. Hmm. Yep. Like pressing from the question as always. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fine. So just just like a couple more more questions. One, um, so how are you trying to during this during this COVID time, how are you preparing your kids for the future? And how are they coping with you know everything that's taking place? Well, with my, and I think this this is this goes back to my Mac kids mainly. Um, you know, I always say this: like as teachers, even before all of this, we didn't know what the future was, but yet we were always given the responsibility to prepare kids for the future. Mm-hmm. And now we are in a situation where we really don't know what the future is. Like we can predict as much as we want, but like, there's nothing you can predict about what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately it's going back to the kids' uh, emotional well-being because if they are like in a in a good state there, uh, and I think if they are feeling comfortable and happy with what it is that they have and how they can actually cope with struggles at home or struggles that they face currently, uh, just putting emphasis on that is going to actually, um, you know, it is going to help them actually prepare for themselves for tomorrow. Because the learning, I'll be honest, learning can be done anytime, anywhere. Uh, you know, if a kid wants to learn a language today, they can learn it. Like, you know, my one of my kids is like, I want to learn Spanish today. I'm like, okay, go for it. Do you know what to do? I'm like, yeah, because I can go to Google, I can search it, or I can do Duolingo, or I can do an app, or I can um, connect with some person and to do it and learn. Uh, I think learning is... That, that, that part they can actually do anytime. But I think teaching them how to cope with their emotions is much more important at this, at this point particularly. Um, and being okay with the idea of, how do I say this? Because um, a couple of the comments that came back from some of our kids was, how do you feel? It's like, I feel lonely. Wow. You know, kids, are, kids are feeling lonely right now. Yeah. You know, it's actually telling us something. Like we, we, we've always said this, you know, oh, they've got their, you know, all their social media to actually keep them connected. Well, guess what? They've got all the social media that they can keep themselves connected with, yet kids are coming back and saying that they're feeling lonely. They miss social interaction with their, with their peers and just meeting people physically face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So and I think if we can kind of create that in, in, a, in a way, right now, uh, then I, I, I do believe that we will be helping them in the long run. Because, you know, let's think about this, you know, right now, if we say, hey, look, let's just focus on your studies, but then they come out of all of this, but they don't actually know how to cope with their emotions, mm-hmm. regardless of what they're willing to learn, if they're not willing to cope with their emotions, man, that's going to be a, a struggle, much, much deeper struggle um, than the learning aspects of it. Learning, learning, I still believe that, you know, if when a kid is motivated, nothing can stop them from learning. Uh, and I think just keeping that in the background, um, we've got to actually say, look, 
how's your kid doing today? You know, what are they actually, how are they actually feeling? And how can we actually get them to that level where they're comfortable with themselves right now? I think that's the biggest challenge for us teachers, because I'll be honest, I've got no idea what's going to happen tomorrow or how the world's going to change. And, um, you know, everything's going to be changing. That's that much is for sure. But um, one thing that we can do is continue to support our kids in in an emotional level. Uh, And I think if we do that, we're doing them a big favor. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I think that's that's how I would leave 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 that question. That's good. Well, as we tie it up, we always like to ask our guests what your one call to action is. If you could leave the listeners with one thing um, on what you feel like is the takeaway from you, what would that be? I say this to everybody, um, like, uh, don't be afraid to try something new. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I, I'll say because... Um, all of our teachers go and tell our kids this, you know, be, be yeah. resilient, be strong, try things. Uh, and then I come and say, okay, look, can you try this new software which is going to change things? Oh, no, 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 we, we, we're not going to do that. We, we've always done it this way. <laughs> we're never going to change. <laughs> oh, but you're going to tell your kids to change. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We'll tell our kids to change, but we're not going to change. So, and, and I think that's something that, I'm, that I'll always say to people is that don't be afraid to try something new because, um, and also know that, you, you can't be expected to be the expert in everything. Mm-hmm. Some people also do this. Yeah, I'll try something new, but I want to make sure I learn everything in it before I actually do it. Like, uh, no, you, you're not going to have time to learn everything in it because it's just so much to learn. And the fact that you're going to learn only one thing means that you've got 30 kids. You might have like 30 different needs. So yeah. you've got to learn to actually adapt. Um, so if I, if, and, and that includes, I'm going to say, and I know you've asked for one thing, but I'm going to actually give you um, a couple of things. Yeah, and I, and I do apologize about it, but like, that's perfect. Um, I, I would say is um, network. Like seriously, mm-hmm. right now you've got to learn how to network with different teachers, not just from your country, but from different countries. Because yeah. different countries, they're doing different things, and which means always think about it like this. With you networking with other teachers, you're going to learn how to be a different teacher. You're going to have different perspectives. But more importantly, by networking yourself with different teachers, you're actually opening up much more opportunities for you, for the kids in your classroom. Like I ha- Right now, I have the ability where if any one of my kids comes to me and says, look, I want to talk to this particular teacher because I want to learn about their culture or I want to learn about how they do it in their, in their country, I'm like, give me like 10 minutes, let me go have a look at my network, see if I can find a couple of teachers. So I'll go on on Twitter, put out a message and say, look, I'm looking for a couple of teachers just that's to have so a chat cool. with them. So, and I think that's super important right now mm-hmm. because that same network also is the network for where you can learn. Because yeah. I don't know all the resources, like the tools that are, that are being used at the moment in the classroom. If I want to learn something, I just go on Twitter and go, hey, uh, to my educator community, uh, can somebody help me out with this particular tool? Or I'm looking for a tool to do this. And, you know, Within like 24, 48 hours, I'm getting starting to get like tweets from different people and suggest mm-hmm. suggestions. Uh, don't use that. Use this. This is not good. This is better. And so I think we um, as teachers need to actually expand our network so that we can actually be, how do I put it? It's like you, it's almost like you could potentially have unlimited resources um, if you learn how to network, uh, network properly. And um, yeah, and I think. Learn, yeah, learn how to do that because yeah. that, that's super important in the world right now. Um, so networking and uh, don't be afraid to try something new. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, this is my ultimate favorite one. I'm sorry, I got to say this. And I have to say this to finish off is this. What you do today might not work tomorrow. Yeah, I like that. that. that, that maybe that's my ultimate, ultimate getaway. Mm-hmm. So you got to constantly keep changing. Constantly keep changing, yeah. That's beautiful. She asked one and I gave her three. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll take three. <laughs> um, well, Subhash, thank you so much for your time today. <laughs>